Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 70, and I am your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we are excited to have with us the widely celebrated artist and illustrator, Ashley Riblet. Ashley, thank you for <laughs> thank you for joining us tonight. This is exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah thank you. I had nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So we 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 met. Well, we didn't, we didn't met, but we were connected to a a, a, a mutual connection, uh, uh, Stephanie, and and she was talking about you about your your artwork, but uh, you know during our interview on the work that you you worked with at Insider Art, which was a kind of an anthology graphic novel that you worked on with her, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and. And you and I got I already have it pulled up. We're gonna we're gonna talk about your artwork. We got some great stuff to look at. We're gonna talk about, you know, how you what you use, your medium and and all that kind of fun stuff. Cause we do actually have a lot of um other artists and illustrators and people that are wanting to learn the craft uh listen and watch this as well. But before we jump right into talking about your artwork, do you wanna give uh, our our viewers and our and our listeners who are listening to this later a bit of your background, how you got into art? Um, I really kind of, it was a downhill kind of rolling maneuver. Um, so I got into art by not knowing that I was really even getting into art. Uh, it was something that I always kind of had an interest in. Uh, I've always been kind of like, like a background gamer. Uh, I liked playing games, like reading books, like a lot of like very like creative, like kind of culture. And I did start drawing, like not a super early age. Um, I actually started drawing because of because of video games. Uh, <laughs> as nerdy as that is, um, I remember like I really got into drawing. My brother used to get every single system that came out in the '90s. So we had like Nintendo, Super Nintendo. We had a Genesis. We had a PS One. Like right when it came out for Christmas. So like. My brother was really into gaming because I have an older, he's an older brother. Mm. Um, I kind of always tagged along to what he was doing. So because my brother gamed, I gamed. Uh, okay. So I got into gaming and the more we got into gaming, uh, he was actually like kind of, uh, it was very broad spectrum. So it wasn't just like, oh, it was always playing Madden. We had like a lot of RPGs and like action games uh, growing up. So oh, I really got into our like JRPGs, like Sukaden was one. Uh, so things that were very character based and like story based and I got into those and the more that I got into like the stories like the more I kind of had the gumption to like had like all this pent up energy and it had to go somewhere so I just had I just had to draw man I said draw like <laughs> and I remember he used to subscribe to like well he subscribed to a lot of magazines but one of them was of course EGM and it was a turning point moment because I still think about it sometimes that uh, somebody wrote in Final Fantasy VII had kind of come out and someone wrote in with a fan art that they had made of Cloud. And oh, it was just okay. like, it was like a light bulb where I was like, you can just draw, you just draw those <laughs> You can just draw whatever dude you want and they let you get away with that. So I started like kind of getting into a uh, kind of like drawing like a lot of like, not like a lot of fan art. Uh, Cause I didn't 
know how to draw. So I did it very badly. I drew very badly for like a year, well, you know, a number of years. But I got very into trying to draw specific characters from Sukadin. Like there's 108 characters that you can draw from Sukadin. <laughs> I had like my pick of like who I really liked and like uh liked having in my party. I was like, I'm gonna draw Victor and Flick. I'm gonna draw Gremio. I'm gonna draw uh, August Bowes, like a big squid guy. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of got into like the habit of drawing characters that I liked because I was really into those characters. And from there, I kind of like had a, a mini talk with myself. I'm like, all right, you've been drawing these characters. Uh, maybe we can try to draw them better. <laughs> so then I decided from that point that I would actually maybe try to learn like some structure. Uh, and I remember like most people start with anime. I kind of like started with anime because it was super easy. Anime is like a very structured kind of style. So it's a very good jumping off point. I think it's why you see a lot of people start drawing anime okay. before they really start drawing like a lot of like uh, realistic kind of stuff. So I remember like drawing from a... Uh, like an anime drawing guide or something. And I like went upstairs because it was in the basement. My computer's in the basement. So I went upstairs to like show my mom and her boyfriend. And it was like just this dumb, stupid anime guy face, <laughs> like spiky hair or whatever. And it was just like, I stepped in front of the TV to like show them my <laughs> stupid anime protagonist that I drew. And they were just like, okay. <laughs> So from that point, I'm just like, well, I'm not going to stop doing it. So I just kind of, uh, you know, progressed from there, drawing different anime and uh, different characters, basically. I really kind of came up with fan art. Uh, right. And and so that, that kind of sparked you on the digital, anything like uh, Chrono Trigger or any of the, or was it mostly... I have a good, so I never, I actually like, during my formative years, my brother's about four years older than me, so mm -hmm. we did have Chrono, Chrono Trigger growing up. A formative, another formative memory of Chrono Trigger is he was super far along in the game, had a save file, and then I came downstairs and decided I was going to start playing, so I started a new game, but I overwrote his file, and I almost died. <laughs> I was almost done a murder. That day. Oh man, yeah. So after that, like I got, like I have like a weird chip about Chrono Trigger. I don't know if I'll ever be able to play it because of <laughs> the thought of how angry my brother was about me overwriting a save file, like close to I think the last boss or something. Uh, oh jeez. But I did because I also like Chrono Cross came out. I think when I was in high school. Right. And I have a lot of, like, Chrono Cross is one of my favorite games that I ever played of, like, all time. Right. It's, like, almost not a perfect game, but it's a game that I would definitely, like, I would play over and over again in the same way that I think a lot of people will play Chrono uh, tr Trigger. Okay, yeah. So, so you, you got into, so anime, video game art is, is where you kind of started. And at what point did you make that decision to then uh do illustration professionally uh good question i didn't <laughs> the answer to that uh, i don't even know if i really even now do it professionally i certainly do it i certainly right. do it um 
Yeah, I always, like, whenever I talk about doing art, when I'm at a convention or somebody talks to me about it, I always maintain that I never really kind of, like, knew that I was going to keep drawing or making art mm. or that it was going to be anything that was even, like, uh, associated with me. Uh, I didn't even, like, I've never actually, like, really traditionally gone to art school. So I just remember that it was something that I did. And then it was just something that I kept doing alongside other things that I was doing. I never really had a specific, like, career plan in mind. I wasn't really super interested in, like, one thing over another. I didn't have, like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get this degree. and I'm going to do this. Like, I actually, like, I do have a degree. And it's not an art. Um, <laughs> I, have a, I have a degree in applied sciences. I did x-ray for a couple of years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have, like, a degree in diagnostic imaging. And, uh... I only only started doing art really like after a number of years because I did go to went to community college. I didn't go to, you know, like a like a big name college or anything. It's just local local school. Uh, most people know Tricy. Went to Tricy. Did that <laughs> stuff. Uh, no shame. Tricy is good for the money. But I would just take a lot of like I took all my basics and then I kind of started taking art. I took figure drawing. And then I kept taking figure drawing until the point that uh, my teacher, Charlene Green, um, which locals will know Charlene. Charlene's a great A person. Um, but I would take figure drawing so much that to the point, like, I annexed the class and I would come in and Charlene would just be like, oh, hey, Ashley, um, what do you want to draw this semester? <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I think I'm just going to draw feet. I'm just going to draw feet this for the next Three months, I guess. He's like, all right, we'll grade you accordingly or whatever. Just, uh, you know, have that. Here's a drawing. Oops. Uh, <laughs> so I would just, like, go in and I would just start kind of, like, doing, I guess, uh, studies on different things that I was kind of interested in learning a little mm -hmm. bit more about. Speed are super cool. People have, like, a big problem with doing hands and feet. Right. And I would say just, uh, just do nothing but that. Um, just do it until you're really, really sick of it and you somehow just know how the shape works of feet are kind of like a bar of soap in my opinion they're like drawing a bar of soap a couple bars of soap uh <laughs> but you only learn that by like really kind of like getting into just like doing doing that and doing nothing but that for you know solid three months uh. right. <laughs> so you so so with that said what what do you mostly stick with what's your your go-to medium is it mostly digital or is it or is it well analog i guess is maybe enough to call it. like you I know tra traditional and digital those are yeah. the those, yeah. those are them i've done both um yeah. i mean obviously before before i had a tablet i wasn't doing anything digitally so right. i do a lot of i'm like really more into as an artist i really like drawing i like drawing more than i like painting um so when I do it digitally, they're just kind of like, they both have like their pros and their cons. Digitally, I think I can knock things out faster. Okay. And I have a wider range of, uh, like I have a wider range of the medium. I have different line widths, I have different tools. Um, obviously traditionally, the only tools I have are what I buy or steal. So it's kind of like a, like a smaller gamut that I'm working with. Uh, but it can be more rewarding, obviously. People, people always nine and a half times out of ten go real gaga over traditional stuff. If you show them a physical painting, 
it's right. more impressive than what you've done digitally. A lot of dummies, uh, some dummies don't think that drawing digitally is really drawing at all or painting at all or really doing the work uh, right. because I don't know, they've never tried it. So, <laughs> but yeah, so like that one in particular, that cat, that cat was done with Posca marker, which is an acrylic paint marker. Wow. So that is a traditional drawing. So I do have like a smattering of like, there's some traditional stuff on my site. There's some digital stuff on my site. Usually you can tell because uh, traditional, it'll scan with like an actual texture to it. So. Right. And, and so, so, so talk to us a bit about what's your, what's your process. How much of, uh, how much of the work that you do is either through like a, you know, you know, contracted or like somebody asking you like a, like a job or how much of the stuff that you do that you um that that you do as like a you know personal passion projects i mean a majority of them are personal passion projects um it's like i don't necessarily i don't put myself out there like mm. a whole lot i don't really like hit the hit the pavement like trying to promote myself so the commissions that i do get like are usually people people that i'm actually interested in working with like they already know what i do yeah. Uh, so that's, they already know what they're kind of going to get. So I'm, just, I'm already into the project that they're going to put forth to me. Um, the cover image that I have on my uh, portfolio site, actually like that raccoon falling into a, into a pile of Halloween candy. Uh, it's very specific to the kind of stuff I'm into. So okay. I had no problem working on that one or taking that commission. So like a lot of the time, I'm either kind of like, yeah, sought after by very specific people or I kind of like have a crew of like locals that know what I do. have seen me at conventions. Uh, if they're interested in something, they know where to find me. Right. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, for the most part, like I usually kind of like either hunt down like zine work or something online. So. So, yeah, I was going to, that was going to be one of my leading questions was how, you know, if, if somebody's looking to do illustration work or, or do that, how do you make those connections first? What's some of your advice and tips that you would give to um, budding artists that are looking to get into doing some freelance work like this? I mean, I would say like, lucky you, you can just fall into it uh, because that is exactly what I did because I didn't even know that I was really going to uh, be drawing or doing any of it for money, you know, as much as I do. Uh, I would say if you're interested in drawing or doing that kind of thing, you will already kind of be making moves to put yourself in circles or other people that do art and the more artistic people that you know, and the wider the circle that you're in, uh, you will find other people that are looking to either commission you to do things or asking like if you want to do a project or telling you that there are projects that you can do. Cause that's half the time, like what I'm actually doing. Uh, whenever I do zine work, I've either kind of like hunting it down or I have like several friends that like know about a project or know about a circle of people that are putting out uh, like a call for art to mm. get into a project. That's how I got into insider art. Uh, it's not because like I was specifically looking for it. Like other friends were kind of doing it. Uh, my friend uh, Sequoia Bostic, she's super super good artist. She's incredibly uh, adept at searching out work and uh, other illustration like avenues. So as soon as she was just like, "Hey, uh, was it Nicole? Nicole Booth? Uh, uh, she was editing on it." I was like, this person is looking for more illustrators. Like if you have time or you want to do it, like 
just emailed her like it's going to be kind of closing like around this time so there's not a lot of you know time to actually do it but if you wanted to this is her email get in touch with her make it happen mm. and i just kind of like you know i dusted off Oh, the wine bottles, because it was the first month of the pandemic. I stuff all the wine bottles, and then I was just like, you should do something. Uh, so I ended up emailing her, and that's how I ended up getting into getting into that gig. And okay. that's just kind of how it happens. It doesn't need to be pomp and circumstance. You don't need to go to a four-year college uh, in order to get work or start working with uh, interesting people doing cool projects. Uh, you just have to like see who's looking and put your name out there. And half the time, you'll probably get into doing it. So, right. And so, what, so, so let's look at your your, your, your sketchbook, sketchbook here. here. <laughs> so, so talk to me about like when you. What's your media? Because you mentioned the you mentioned some digital. You like to work with the you like to work specifically with with uh, you know different mediums. Like, talk to us a bit about. Is it mostly as you you mentioned like the acrylic pens? What are what's your go to what's your go to uh, tools that you're like when you're just sitting at you know maybe sitting on the couch or something like that? What's that one thing that's right next to you that you'll just grab and start using on your sketchbooks? I usually have an idea of what I want to do, and as soon as I know what the idea is, I know what I want to do it in or okay. what it will look best in. So if I'm doing something with color. If I want to do something that has more than just one tone, like not one layer or something, I'm not going to use paint. Um, so like this one, this one is a traditional piece. Uh, mm -hmm. This mermaid, I think that it was done maybe from, I think a lot of the pieces in the sketchbook portion of my portfolio are from Dr. Sketchy. So it was like a life drawing thing. So okay. I, usually, I usually took a model. So it usually started with something. And I would kind of uh, tailor it to make it more interesting, so I would be able to finish it. Yeah, <laughs> I get very, very, I, I get burnt out very quickly if I'm not super interested in certain <laughs> work. Um, oh, this is like one of my one of my favorite models. I would even go so far as to say that she is my muse. Uh, Lightning Lane. If you ever okay. look her up on uh, Instagram, fantastic local model. Uh, does a lot of stuff. I think she is based in Akron, maybe. Okay. Um, Super, super phenomenal. I love her. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of I did a lot of art uh, during sketchy years of Lightning Lane. So, but this is also a traditional piece. You can see like all of the. Uh, I think this is on vellum or tracing paper because tracing paper actually takes wet medium very well, like marker. Oh, okay. It yeah. kind of like leaches into it, and like you're able to push it around if you add more colors. So it gives kind of like a good gradient when you're when you're doing stuff. Yeah. Nice. So this is like all traditional marker and it it blended in went dark very well and and so with this past year with COVID, have how uh, how easy or accessible or difficult has it been to uh to to find some more freelance work i mean i i couldn't tell you because i kind of gave up uh, <laughs> i think i think a lot of artists would agree that like at the beginning they all thought that they were going to have all the free time to do to do everything to do right. everything that they wanted to plant take everything in their little their planners or their journals and um just like i'm gonna do the gamut the whole dang thing and mm. nobody did nothing <laughs> which is what i did so i kind of like uh like i got furloughed from my job and i was like well this would be a good time to like 
really, really make some stuff and do whatever. And I, I went to sleep. I went to sleep and I just stayed asleep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like it was, it was a bad couple, couple of months or whatever. Like I did start a couple of projects, obviously. I did the insider art thing. So that was like one of like the main, the mainstays that I kind of like grabbed onto when I was like kind of depressed. And I was like, I wasn't really making anything for myself and I didn't know what I was really doing and I couldn't make myself uh, get into anything mm. consistently. And I decided to throw myself into that. And it was actually, so I did, these are specifically like, it's not technically a comic. These are really more uh, spot illustrations for a right. story, which is a really cool story. I really, really loved it. Like such a personal story. Like um, that's, I really like that kind of thing. You can do like sprawling stories or whatever, but like a really intimate kind of like personal introverted, just like, this is like kind of what's going on. And it's like mostly a fantasy. And then it's going to have some, realistic elements you know uh towards the end like that was something that i was super interested in because i got put on the project really incredibly late and i was kind of asked like do you want to do a comic do you want to just do illustrations we're kind of looking at this time frame for it okay so i was like okay just looking at the time frame i'm not going to be able to do uh won't be able to do like text boxes, I won't be able to structure it in a way that is uh, good for dialogue. I can maybe do four or five images, because I think I really only had two weeks. It was two wow. weeks to work on it, so it was it five, five images for two weeks, wow. fully colored, like fully lined, fully colored, like to the printer. So, you know, with like a little bit of a little bit of feedback, a little bit of rework, so. Was this was digital, digital or was this? Oh yeah, it's digital. Wow. There's no way I would have been able to do traditional stuff in two weeks. So what's your format for digital then? How do you, what do you use? I use uh, like 90% I use a clip studio paint. Okay. Um, I used to work in, I used to work in a really nice uh, cracked Photoshop seven. That was really cool to work out of for a while. And then I had to get a new computer because most computers don't want to run a cracked Photoshop 7 anymore. Uh, and after that, it wasn't really like they updated it and they made it incredibly unintuitive to draw in. So Photoshop, really, I don't do any drawing and I barely even really do any like uh, minute editing, like with brushwork. I will use it to... Uh, edit like photo edit it's really specifically good for photo editing mm. and that's what i will usually do so like i'll finish something up in clip studio and then i will import it over to photoshop and from there i will either like uh convert it to cmyk and it will mess with the levels and stuff to like make it a little bit better print wise if i'm going to print it or if it is going to print so mm. yeah, i don't really draw on photoshop i draw on clip studio okay and do you utilize like uh, do you have like a, a stylus or do you use like a the a mouse clicker? How do you use that? Oh no, I got I got to use a tablet, tablet all the way um, <laughs> up until up until like literally a year and a half ago. So the first tablet that I ever got back in the early two thousands, uh, I got a, a Wacom Graphire four by six, so like itty itty bitty. All right, yeah, palette. Um, and it was, I got it used on eBay. So it wasn't even like a new, 
uh, new tablet. So I was using that up until a year and a half ago, where when I upgraded my computer, it was literally like, hi, this is Wacom. We don't make drivers for this anymore. So <laughs> maybe you want to buy another, maybe buy one of our new palettes. <laughs> so I ended up having to like either, I had to get one from a friend. I think a friend gave me his because he's like a proper freelancer and had a much nicer Wacom tablet. <laughs> And so was this was this uh, uh, one of your own works? Was this uh, a commission? So that is like from uh, one of the comics that I did. Okay. Uh, what comic was that? I know that the com the name of the comic that I did was What Josie Says. Okay. And it was part of a anthology. It was like a toy based anthology. So we did a I think it was uh, Ronald Ronald Montgomery. I think okay. I worked with was the writer on this. So it was this big, they have a couple of anthologies. So this was an anthology in like this uh, toy, toy kind of world. And ours was like, basically it was a Barbie in prison kind okay. of thing. So it was like Barbie in prison with Bratz dolls. And I was just like, yes, this is what I'm into. <laughs> this is my jam. Like, so I did do this digitally. I don't know what I worked at. I think I actually worked out of paint, paint will sigh. Okay. So, which is a, what's it just, it's a Japanese uh, art program okay. that's free. And if you get it free, um, half of the, half of the menu items and like tools are just like, they're in actual like, uh, like kanji. So, <laughs> but they had good brushes. So what can I say? So you, you've, so you, you feel pretty good. You, you settled on Clip Studio Paint then basically for, uh, is it all of your are all of your illustration stuff or just the comic book stuff oh pretty much everything if i'm working okay. digitally like that's the it's i don't know it, it rivals what photoshop used to be in every way and it's free they have like a free version and then right. they do like a discount of 25 dollars you know during like they do like a sale like five or six times a year or it's like hey the whole thing is 25 bucks or whatever minus like if you wanted to buy the creative suite package it's i don't even know what they're doing now it's like a monthly mm -hmm. license like oh what a what a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i don't know i don't know why we, why would you choose photoshop it's not even great to draw in like <laughs> and you can do animation it's specifically made it's made for people that want to do comics it mm -hmm. has like specific layouts for people that are doing comics. So why would you not choose Clip Studio? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have, so let me ask you though, with, with all your work, do you have certain types of little Easter eggs or little tiny things that for those, for those Ashley fans that I always like to try to look for in any of your work? I mean, usually it's not Easter eggs. Usually it's just, it's a, the full egg. I just draw the full <laughs> egg. Um, most of the time, like, I I like drawing uh, hair, like, in certain ways. Um, I usually try to, like, either put men in, men in dresses or something. I like to do a lot of gender subversion because um, I am a queer creator. So I do like putting those elements in it. It's more of just, like, not specifically, like, elements that I will add because they're always elements of just, like, how I draw something. Like, I like to do a lot of seaweed hair for women. I usually try to draw stuff that has uh, people that have as few bones as possible, that kind of thing. 
usually like like a lot of like water water droplets or like little accent stuff so but it really kind of depends on what I'm doing because if I'm not doing it just for myself if I'm doing it for a project or a commission that's not really about I shouldn't be adding stuff that I'm necessarily into even though like I will probably find something uh, to sneak in there that I enjoy quite a bit because that just makes the project bearable so right. Because I noticed too, it's like your your artwork uh, is uh, it's, it's stylized and as you said in, in your way, but there's the, you're also you know your 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 characters um, look look different based off of I guess the commission. Have you had anybody say, hey, can you make this kind of like this past piece, or do you have do you have people who are kind of point out towards previous works and say, can you do something like this for me? Yeah, I mean, most of the time somebody commissions me if they're doing a specific piece, it's because of something that I've already done or it's some it's a subject matter that they know we kind of like share. Uh, so yeah, usually it's not, I don't find too much difficulty like kind of working, you know, from, a, from absolute zero with uh, someone commissioning me because we usually have like, oh, I just put out this piece. They really like that piece. They generally tell me that they're referencing this piece. Like, I really like this thing that you did. Would you be able to do this and this? And mm -hmm. even if they don't, I will generally kind of ask like leading questions where I'm like, oh, okay, this is a subject that you want drawn. What do you think about this? What do you think about this style? Like, right. what, kind of, like what kind of things, like when you were thinking about what you want from me, what are you thinking of? Like, do you have examples of work that you like in the past that you would like to see uh, emulated? Like, that's usually like, uh, it's really good to ask leading questions because at least for me, in my experience, uh, I would rather work for more information than less information. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you can do whatever you want. It's super <laughs> freeing. And I'm like, no, it's not what I want. Um, I don't want freedom. I need to work inside like a closed system. Like I need to know what the rules are. I need to know what I'm pulling from. I need to have less freedom. Like you will get a better product if you just tell me exactly what you want. And then from there, if I can't deliver that, then we can edit from there and you will get a piece that you love. So, so, so talk to us a bit about the, the actual contract piece to it. How, how did you have like some 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 specific uh, like uh, guidelines that you always going to make sure like any of your your freelance contracts have, um, or are you kind of the person that a handshake is good enough? What would be some of your advice for for people to do a, <laughs> the a, business side of things? A handshake, sir. <laughs> 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 right, elbow bump. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> I'm pretty lenient in terms of contracts. Uh, when I work, I think uh, I don't have like a, a very specific thing that I work with. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different kind of a understanding of how to pay someone money for a product that they want. You know, a person is not just uh, an impersonal eBay merchant. So pretty much like I just kind of decide like, all right, what do you want done? All right, from there, I will figure out in my mind, all right, how long is this going to take? How do we want to do this piece? What am I going to need? Uh, what they, what do they actually want? Are they going to ask for it? Do they care if it's digital? Do they want it to be traditional? If they were getting it traditional, 
Do they expect to get the final piece? If so, then arrangements need to be made in order to send the piece, that kind of thing. Um, I usually, I know that you should probably just like have an actual, uh, like a list of what your prices are. I kind of always go by intuition of what I think it's going to cost me and what will be worth it to make the piece. Uh, if I can get like, you know, like some Arby's out of it, you know, whatever, if I'm not buying anything, that's super nice. If I can pay like a bill, that might be nice. But uh, yeah, it really kind of like depends on the piece, what they're asking for, how involved it is, if it's digital or traditional, or are they getting the final piece? Mm. Those are all kind of the things that I take into consideration when I do take a commission. So I'm, I'm very hands-on and, you know, uh, like I get into the gears of it and figure it out and kind of tailor it to whoever is actually commissioning the piece, uh, what works best for both parties. Yeah. And, and, and how, how much is timeline a factor of it? If it's like, is it like that the shorter time frame they give you, you feel comfortable bumping up the price or how does that work? I mean, yeah, that's definitely one part of it. I will say that I specifically, I work better on a deadline. I work really good on a deadline. So depending on what the turnaround time is, like if it's an involved piece or whatever, if it has background work to it, uh, usually I will give it at least like, like minimum three weeks just because I do have a day job. This is not the majority of what I do, even though I do enjoy it greatly. Uh, so they have to take that into consideration if they want to shorten it. That's going to affect price factor or whatever because then i'm taking from my own personal time possibly sleep uh you know so so ed norris just said hey ashley i have a ton of her work is fantastic yeah ed! <laughs> thanks ed <laughs> yeah it commissions a lot of stuff for me i'm always surprised like oh hi yeah. <laughs> what the heck who did you did you let people in? <laughs> <laughs> so, so what would be? So, what would you say would 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 be some specific pieces of advice that you would give people? Like these are the the top two or the top three things you have to make sure before you start working for some working with somebody. These are the these are the things that you absolutely have to have in a contract. I mean, so if you're going to work with somebody, especially someone that you don't know or haven't worked with before or you don't have any kind of like real rapport, um, I would say there's there's a good uh, basic stipulation of you can agree to do the work, uh, make there be a halfway point. So it's either you get half of the money up front, they get a certain number of revisions, they get to see it at the sketch point or whatever in order to make a revision before you start inking or making it final. There's like a halfway point if you mm -hmm. want there to be where you either get uh, additional additional money or they get to make a bigger decision on just like, no, this is like not what I want to do. Like we kind of like need to go in a different direction. Don't color it this way. Uh, the brushes look bad or like, I don't like that texture. I mean, you can do different, different styles or whatever. I had a, a customer, one time that like specifically like didn't want line work they wanted like a very painterly style so like soft edges and stuff that was like kind of brought up like almost during the midway point where they're like they forgot to reference a piece a piece that i had done uh where i come was just doing like a like color blocking mm -hmm. style work so then there's like oh no well this is like what i was like thinking of or blah blah i'm like all right that would be nice to know 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like gonna have to rework some stuff, but that's fine. Not a big, not a huge deal. Um, there's just gonna be, you know, another. That's the turning point or whatever. And from there, always make your point uh, very solid. That like, this is what I need up front in order to start the work. Mm-hmm. This is what you can expect when you can expect it. If you are okay with that, then you don't like. They can't really throw anything uh, at you that you're not expecting. Because if you go in there just like, oh, yeah, like, I'll make this artwork for you and you can pay me at the end of it. Uh, And I've done that before. But if you don't know somebody, you can get burned. Uh, They could either just cheat you out of money. If you send them the the file or whatever, they can cheat you out of money. Or they could just, like, at the end of it decide that it wasn't worth it and they don't want it at all. Mm -hmm. So usually that's why you would charge, like, a certain amount up front uh, just to make sure that, your time is not completely wasted because everyone's time is valuable, you know? And so like you bring up a good point, like the, the issue of revisions, do you get a, do you say like, listen, we're not going to, we're not going to do this, you know, ad nauseum. There's only, you only get so many revisions before this is the final that I'm putting, uh, putting the color in on this. I mean, it's something that you should always make clear beforehand. Like I've never, I've let, very luckily, I've never had a super bad client that I've had to work with that like required, like that needed to be in the minutia of the piece so deeply that I needed to constantly confer with them and they wanted to make changes. For the most part, people, people know my art before they commission me. They know what they're getting. Uh, usually like I am super, uh, what is it? Like, I'm very, I'm very upfront about what I'm doing, when I'm doing it. I try to send as many uh, screenshots or, you know, like revisions and stuff as possible. Like not even like revisions. I just want them to know what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, what I'm adding. So I'm just like, here are the pencils. Do you have questions about the pencils? Do they look good? All right. The next step is going to be inking the pencils. We have a problem with the pencils right now. You need to tell me. Otherwise, you know, because I told you about the pencils. <laughs> so I will usually just do that. I'm very communicative with like uh, who I'm being commissioned by, especially mm-hmm. if it's like not just like, oh, can you like make a print of something for me? Like I would like a print that I've seen that you did recently just for yourself or whatever. Uh, like Ed, Ed gets a lot of my prints and I'm always very happy when Ed gets a print. And I'm always very surprised whenever he gets a print. But yeah, for the most part, Ed, like, usually, uh, like, gets my stuff afterwards, so I don't have to, like, worry about, like, you know, the minutiae like that. Uh, last commission I did, I was just very, very involved with what was going on, when it was going on. I'm just like, this is the first round of pencils, this is the first round of inks, I'm gonna put more here, this is what I am planning to do, and then I, you know, kind of go step by step. I just feel that it kind of goes a lot more smoother if they always kind of know what you're doing when you're doing it, so... So and and well, you you brought up that point about if you haven't worked with some a client before, it's you know do you ever in that position where it's weird? There's like there's the lots there's lots of illustrators out there, but then again, it's such a small world as well. Do you ever reach out to you know someone that you might another illustrator you might know and say, hey, I saw you worked on so and so. Were they a good client? Should I should I uh, work with them? Does that ever happen? I mean, every once in a while, uh, usually, like, because I have, like, a ton, like, I'm very lucky that I have a lot of uh, amazing illustrator friends that, like, work with a lot of different clients, so 
I'm always just like, like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, how are you working with this client? What kind of work are you doing? Um, but I usually don't need to really ask, uh, if so-and-so is a good person. Uh, a lot of us work super locally. So we know a lot of these people. So it's like, if I didn't, I wouldn't have to ask any of the other illustrators. I would kind of already know about this person beforehand because uh, word gets around in art circles specifically, where it's just like, oh, I did this piece for this person. It was really bad. Don't do, don't do this or don't do this show. Um, a lot of us usually stay in touch, so I never really have to like ask about it. I either, I kind of already know. So I'll either not take, I won't take a customer or I won't do a show based on that. <laughs> so Bill just said, Ashley is the shiz. Love her work. <laughs> Billy! <laughs> Billy's great. I work with Billy. Uh, <laughs> actually, I'm pre-press with me right now. How's that going, Billy? <laughs> like the pre-press life, Billy. <laughs> Do you, so where do you see you get a lot of your referrals? Is it Cause it's 2021 as you know, you've been doing this for a while, you know, it's, it seems like every couple of years or so, there seems to be that one center point where people is like, this is a place to find artists, whether it be, you know, a few years ago it was DeviantArt and a few years ago it was, so like, what? so is, you, stop, you said, you said the magic word. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you know where, where, where are you getting most of your referral? Is it Instagram now? That seems to be, or you're getting it also from, as you say, maybe. Honestly, um, mostly, from... mostly Twitter. Twitter. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Like once, uh, oh. well, it used to be Tumblr. Yeah. Tumblr used to Tumblr. be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fond memories of Tumblr. Um, and a lot of like, so like a lot of specific zine works. there were like, Tumblr was like the mainstay of artists. Right. Um, then uh, shitty Yahoo uh, took it over, didn't know what to do with it, uh, decided to ban uh, adult imagery, yeah. which is like also includes adult adult artwork, yeah. which like, I don't know if you've ever been inside the MoMA, but there's adult artwork. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but a lot of those artists ends up, uh, they ended up moving over to Twitter, which is not as good of a platform to post art but it is definitely a better platform to uh, kind of like spread messages and promote yourself. It's a lot easier to follow a lot of people. It's a lot like Instagram in a way. Instagram like doesn't really have a good, uh, like a text-based kind of community. There's not like a really good right. platform for like making posts that are just like, a, what is it? Like informational posts, basically stuff that doesn't revolve around images. So they're kind of like, two halves of like one really good world uh, of which Tumblr used to be and is no longer. So a lot of the stuff that I've kind of like been following, like specifically zines, there's like a lot of zines that do go on Tumblr, but I find out about them specifically on Twitter. So I actually recently did my last recent, like kind of like project. I did a, uh, I did a piece for this. It was a, what, what we do in the shadows zine. Okay. Called what we create in the shadows. Okay. They did a piece for that. It was a charity zine for Refugees International. Okay. And the pre-orders are actually closed right now. But it was a super, super cool project that I wouldn't have found out about unless I was on Twitter. So. Okay. So that, that would be your recommendation is cause it, it, Twitter mostly now is where you can get a lot of, a lot of good uh, finding, finding new clients and stuff then from there. 
Yeah, because it's specifically, it's dialogue-based. It's a dialogue-based app. Right. So it's a good way, like, I think that they're kind of working on how they uh, show images, like their, their gallery, like, kind of uh, specifications. They're working on that to make uh, images, like, more intuitively viewable than they did before. Because before they would, like, crop them. You'd only be able to see, like, so high of a resolution. You wouldn't know what the actual preview would look like if you were uploading an image. Uh, it's the same for video. A lot of video, like, content creators like Gus Johnson put out, like, a video about, like, how difficult it was. Like, he's a super popular creator, specifically on YouTube, and it was almost impossible for him to actually put out, like, a 40-second video on Twitter because of, like, how it would edit it down or it would crop it to, like, a certain, like, time frame. Right. And it would be, yeah. So they're becoming better, um, but in general, for, like, informational-based purposes, like, finding that kind of work. There are a ton of uh, zines that, like, get pushed around on Twitter, you know? They're different, like, a uh, kind of, like, not web rings, that's an old term. Uh, but, yeah, like, like a ring of a ring of zines, like, uh, you know, specific, like, Twitter such as, like, hey, are you looking for work? Are you looking for specific kind of genre stuff? Are you looking for specific, uh, like, anime or kind of fandom content? Like, here's a bunch of stuff that's going on right now. They're looking for moderators. They're looking for contributors. They're looking for, they're doing interest checks. Uh, but yeah, that's how I found the, what we do in the shadow zine. And honestly, I will probably be hitting the road to like, I'd really love to do a Hades zine. I haven't super, I've played it a little bit, but I'm big fan. Uh, love Hades. Would love to do a zine for it. Wow. Okay. So let me ask you, uh, also is like when you because you, you as you said earlier you dip your toes pretty well into the the pen and ink um and you're also the digital what is if if you had a if somebody sat down with you and says i want you to do this poster or whatever, um what are the qualifying factors of that where you would want to go more towards making it a digital one or or lean more towards the or doing something that's more pen and ink, what would be those qualifying factors for you to make that decision? Well, one is, of course, money. <laughs> two, two is, of course, when do, they, when do they need it? And really, honestly, most importantly, what do they want? Do they actually want a traditional media poster? Because generally, posters are bigger pieces of artwork. If you're going to order a bigger piece of artwork, you need to look into, are you local? Is it, am I going to deliver it to you? Which would definitely be a lot easier. But, you know, I've done posters for people that were, like, in other, like, states. So are you willing to pay the amount that it would take for me to ship this piece to you? A lot of people are perfectly fine doing digital. Uh, digital is, like, almost uh, zero, zero collateral money down in order to do as large of a piece as you would like. You have almost an infinite amount of tools to get that piece done. Generally, if it's something that's bigger than uh, like 14 by 18, I think is maybe one of the larger things that I work on, like paper-wise, uh, traditionally. If it's going to be bigger than that, I would rather do it digitally okay. because it takes a lot less time. It's a lot cleaner. It's infinitely more editable, you know, based on whoever, what their specs are, if they're interested or not. If they wanted a different tone or a color palette, you could edit the colors like, you know instantly so i would generally go for like i would generally go for digital over traditional if someone really wanted to commission like something bigger 
And do you have an, do you have it like also kind of baked into some of your, your agreements that do you have anything where you get to utilize the images that you've had or, or anything like that as well afterwards? I've never had to like write up a contract for it. Um, generally, if someone's like getting a personal piece, right. I kind of don't, uh, I just like kind of don't take the extra, the extra gums from worms. Like I'm going to make prints of it and I'm going to sell it at cons. Like if someone like, uh, you know, specifically like commission me for a piece of like, I would love you to draw my wife mm. or something like well, that. Yeah. I'm not going to use that in my own personal, you know, uh, repertoire. I'm right. not going to like take that to shows. I'm not going to put it on Redbubble. Uh, if they're asking me to draw something that's like a fandom thing, I might. I would just probably mention it where I'm just like, are you fine with me? if I resell this or something at a different time, because most of the time they don't own the rights to that either. Okay, so right. what are they going to do? Yeah. 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 And they had, so, so yeah, talking about cons, are you, are you looking forward to, are you looking forward to something later in the year? Or are you just going to take 20, 2021 off and say, I'm just going to. I already took 2020 off. <laughs> um, I would say that I'm I'm very excited for things to open up. I'm more looking towards the latter half of the year right. once the majority of the country has actually been vaccinated. I don't think that I would I still don't think that I would do conventions without a mask. Right. Uh, not for at least like maybe like another year or so um, to see what the statistics are. But yeah, 100%. Um, I'm super excited to like get back out there and like do more like local conventions and stuff. I actually I do a lot more work when I know that I have something to look forward to. Okay. Yeah. So that's when I do like the majority of my work. And so what what do you how how's your setup? Like, is it do you stickers, buttons, uh, prints, comics? What do you how's your how's your setup looking like for that? I would do it all, baby. <laughs> <laughs> This day and age, you don't know what's going to hit. I do it all. Um, I do less stickers now. Uh, I used to do more stickers, and then there kind of, like, came the way everyone started doing uh, enamel pins. Okay. And stickers really kind of, like, fell off of the uh, fell off the mark. So I do I – try... I don't do stickers anymore. I don't want to say I don't do stickers, but I don't do stickers anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's just I do a lot of prints because um, they're easy to right. produce. And it's kind of just like what, you know, most of like my style, when I make a piece, it generally looks better as a print versus as a sticker or a pin or something. So every once in a while I can translate it to a pin or another kind of merch, but prints are usually like my wheelhouse, my bread and butter. Okay. So, but yeah, I do want to start looking into making more pins kind of during like a 2021 year. So. And so uh, an another uh, piece of advice to to give people that are listening, where do you, what, what's, your, what's your recommendation of where, what company or website do you order or order your, uh, your swag from your pins and stickers and stuff? Oh boy. I mean, if you can find somewhere local to do it for a good price, uh, right. definitely do it. Put your money back into the local economy if you can. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of like big sites that, you know, if you go on Reddit, you go on Twitter, a lot of like the the artists that you follow, usually you can like see is like, I got I got this thing or whatever. Like I went to this manufacturer. Um, specifically like a lot of enamel pin companies, like they're almost like 98%, they're based out of China. 
Right. And if you talk to anybody in the U.S., it's a middleman. Just go to the factory. Um, a lot of creators used to be like really uh, kind of tight-lipped about where they were getting their their stuff made for whatever reason. And now it's kind of like become more. Um, it's been it's been better like resource sharing around artists uh, about where they go, what prices you should expect for the amount that you're kind of like getting. A lot of places uh, or a lot of people will kind of like go in together. I know I specifically I do have like one enamel pin that I don't have on my shop yet because I don't know how to take good pictures. Uh, <laughs> I have one enamel pin that I did make and I did it with uh, with my inner kind of like friend collective that we're all making pins. There's like we can go in on a big group order, save on shipping. Do you want to do it? And I was just kind of like, yeah, I want to do it. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of money. But it's a super cool looking pin, so I'm not upset that I did it. So if you're looking to like make pins or something, I would suggest look at the creators that are kind of making those pins. Look down the comments to see if like they've shared the manufacturer that they go through. Um, go on Reddit to like enamel pin communities, like specifically look up communities online okay. that are making the kind of merch that you want to make. And that is like a good resource to like figure out, should I be going to this person? What should I be expecting out of the merch that I really want to get? What should I be paying? That kind of thing. Like the spec work of it, like knowing like, don't do something that is this small. It's not going to look good. It's not going to be. You can't make it that small, Betty. <laughs> Which is something that I had to learn, so I made a super huge pin. Because <laughs> I'm just that girl. Um, I had to make a super big witch pin. What can I say? Falls to the wall. There you go. So we're, we're knocking at the end of the hour, uh, Ashley. So where can where can people find your work, and where can people reach out to you? You may have seen some of it on this live stream. Um, <laughs> my, my portfolio site, if you wanted to reach me, uh, you can definitely email me through there. Uh, my email is it's tentacles, so it's like tentacles with an extra E, tentacles at gmail.com. Go on my website, you can message me through there. Uh, if you want to see my work, also there, but mainly also uh, Instagram. I know I haven't posted for a while. Don't at me. I'm going to post more stuff. It's been a bad year. You know it. I know it. It'll be a better year. <laughs> better year coming at you soon. Uh, but yeah, so, and you can also follow me on Twitter uh, at A Riblet. That's my actual name, unfortunately. Uh, follow me on Twitter if you want to see hot takes, weird, spicy posts, perhaps. Um, yeah, but if you're really looking for the art, get at my Carbon Made, get at my Instagram. So. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ashley. This has been a true, this has been an exciting hour. This has been really fun chatting with you. Thank you. Hey, it was good for me. Glad it yeah. was good for you. Yeah. <laughs>so you got some fans that are already popping popping up on here ashley this is oh. ron caruso oh two t's ron two t's <laughs> i mean but he's right the big rib is really good yep yep so here you go wow. <laughs>
Yeah, I posted about it on Facebook and it's like, I posted during work and I didn't really refresh. It was like, okay, like two people saw it or whatever. It's 1030. I don't, it's not really a big deal or whatever. And then I refreshed it and it was like 82 people. <laughs> I was like, I have 82 friends. <laughs> 